Yo, what's good? This Nathan Nice, aka Light Skin Bourdain, <clears throat> aka the old punk rock daddy, aka the diabetical, diabolical diabetic. Excuse me. So, right now I just got a, a an interview with the abolitionist, so to speak, homegirl Selena. It's a good conversation, good free flow conversation with a, a Northwest uh, native uh, person of color, feel me? So we just top it up. It is what it is. You're going to like it. You're going to fuck with it. If you fuck with the kitchen couch, you already know, 509-557-0521. Just remember that line. Hit it up at any time. Also, the kitchen couch at gmail.com. If you want to follow me, uh, Nathan Nice, N A T H I N N I C E. Also, at the kitchen couch. Uh, if you want to help me, uh, Venmo at Nathan Nice. Uh, your donation is, is, is happily accepted um, to keep this shit going. So, uh, we're also looking for sponsorships. <laughs> Sponsorship, so your ad could be right here. Go ahead and uh, hit me up. Looking for cool sponsors, so I want to give a shout out to the girl Selena. Um, thanks for 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 talking to me, and uh, yeah. So bump this interview. You already know what it is. Nathan Nice, aka the diabolical diabetic. Hey, well that's exciting. Um, <laughs> I right. got a lot going on. I don't have anything that I need to get off my chest, but that's because I'm going on. So. Oh, okay. So, like, what? So, wait, who am I speaking with? Selena. Selena. Okay, and so, Selena, what do you do? Like, what? What do you do for work? And then, like, what do you do for you? <laughs> Those are definitely two different questions. Um, for work, which I guess is also kind of for me, um, but I work. Um, as a programs manager with Abundance Folk Center, uh, which was founded by my mom. So I'm doing, like, working with family, um, which comes with its own challenges. Um, but then we do <clears throat> holistic homelessness prevention for our most at-risk youth, so that also comes with its challenges. Um, so work is always something different. Um, we're so grassroots. Um, so I, I do pretty much everything, um, for the organization. It's pretty much just two of us right now. And then we have some volunteers and, you know, board members, mm. um, but two of us who do the day to day. Right. Right. <laughs> Damn. That seems like some heavy, that's, that's some heavy shit. Yeah. I mean, it's heavy, but for me, it like saves me. The work saves me because, um, Oh, it's so crazy to talk about. I, like, always get emotional when I think about it because I was so sad about life, about, you know, history. I've always loved history just to know, you know, where our people have been, have been to know, you know, where we're going. Right. But I was so sad about what our people have been through. I, I'm sad about what we are facing currently. And literally Abundance of Hope, was what gave me hope it's what said to me this is what i can do i can actively every single day work to dismantle the system set up against my people and that's it literally just hey. helps me come out of a dark place so fuck yeah yeah that's yeah you're actually a lot of people are just talking and tweeting you're actually doing the work yeah i mean it's like work so <laughs> Um, Anybody? <laughs> well, I'm Nathan Nice. Sorry, what were you saying? I was just saying, like, I just wanted to clarify because anyone can do the work, um, but it's definitely important that folks from the community are the ones leading the work. Off but top. There is a place for and there's and there's some place for for white allies, I'm sure, but but. It, but I think I think the word ally can just get thrown fucking around like 
oh, I'm an ally. I have a Black Lives Matter sign in my front yard. Like, I mean, that's a start, my nigga. But like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta do yeah. it. <laughs> I like the word accomplish better. Um, Ooh, accomplish. Because that is performative, and I really don't like it. Um, I literally, I'm always a fan of the Buy Nothing group. Like, I tell everyone. If you're not on Buy Nothing, find the one for your neighborhood or start the one for your neighborhood because it's it's a great way um, to trade, you know, without currency. I think a lot of the times we forget that money was an invention. <laughs> so, Ooh. Like, there are ways to move things around other than with money. And so I really love Buy Nothing for that reason. But the reason why I brought it up is because on the Buy Nothing group, I remember one day a woman posted and was like, oh, does anyone have a Black Lives Matter sign? My daughter said we should probably put one up. I was like, are you kidding me? Wow. <laughs> That's the kind of allyship that there is in Seattle. Yeah. That's oh. why I don't off top and i and it's funny because if you if you've listened to some of my podcasts you'll know that i always talk hella shit about seattle like i love this place but at the same time growing up in this bitch i know that i know what kind of it sometimes i like would rather be in the south because it has this sort of like oh, yeah, like, I'm all good, and everything's all good, and we're all fam, like, whatever, but it's just, like, really at the bottom of the day, like, you're judging me, you probably priced me out, I mean, definitely priced me out, because I don't even live in Seattle, but, like, I live, you know, like, Linwood area, so it's like, you know, you're pricing the people who who are from there out, because I'm from Seattle, born and raised, Yeah. and so, like, you know, I'm. The, I used to live in the CD. I used to live in the South End. I'm from the South End. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not there anymore because I cannot afford it. I can't. And you know, I go there now and I see Black Lives Matter. But how many Black people do I see walking around? And granted, Seattle's uh, only about seven percent uh, Black population. So that's yeah to come f- to come with it. But still, like with all the type of people who who says that they're allies, you do not feel it here? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I mean, you're not lying. You said what now? You are not, you are not lying. So, um, I'm Nathan Nice, um, and this is The Kitchen Couch, um, the most unprofessional podcast out there. Um, so, feel free to be yourself and say whatever you gotta say. Um, <clears throat> so... I mean, what is your, are you, where are you from, and, and what is your experience from where you're from? Well, um, I grew up in Portland and Vancouver. Um, we actually got gentrified. We were probably, like, among the first people to get gentrified out of Portland. Um, so we had to move up to Vancouver, and then that's where I spent um, most of my, I guess, like, adolescence and years. Um, I didn't move to Seattle until I was a senior in high school. I did my senior year here and then went to college in Seattle um, over at UW Fossil. So, oh man, it was was actually a little bit of a culture shock moving to Seattle um, because where I grew up, literally, if I saw a black person out on the street, they were likely related to me. Like, literally. It would actually happen a lot. Wow. Um, they're my two or my brother or something like that. Um, there were, like, a couple of big black families that lived in Vancouver at the same time as us. So we either, you're either related to us or we knew you for a long time. I think that started changing just a little bit when I, um, when we ended up leaving. And then coming to Seattle, I think the shock for me was just how much more diverse it is. Like, I don't know that... I mean, there's definitely more black people here, but there was also just more of everyone here. And I also really liked that uh, when I first got here. Right. I think that's in these last seven years, for sure. But I think I actually caught, like, the tail end of um, of uh, Seattle before, you know, this huge increase in hate crimes and all that change that came with folks moving in from Amazon and these other tech companies, um, that all started happening, like, right after I got here. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, but you... I mean, I, 
But you're a Northwesterner, though, so you, you get... Oh, yeah. The Portland's got similar culture. Mm-hmm. It wasn't... It's really not too different. Um, I like... I like the South End, though. I like Renton. Like, when we first moved here, I literally lived in Ballard. I lived in Queen Anne. Like, I don't even know how I ended up in those areas. I really don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, the South End is where it's at. <laughs> like yeah i remember to emoja fest um which i know people have said is a lot smaller now than it used to be too because of everyone who got displaced but that was really my first like introduction to how the black community comes together out here mm. Mm. man and and i live up north so you know it's 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 different out here too but Although I feel like I feel like they treat people better out here, just like walking around naturally, you just get more like people don't give a fuck out here. So it's just kind of like, and like pretty much if you're not a complete drug addict, then they treat you with respect. Like that's kind of how I feel. So I'm like, and maybe it's because I'm light skinned I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I have different spirits if I was darker skin. I'm sure. It probably does. I'm not, you know what I mean. But I'm, as far as I'm concerned, I'm 100 percent black. Like I don't, I don't consider myself. Yeah, of course. Huh? Look, I, I, somebody, looking at my background, I don't consider myself darker skin. Like our, our genetic variability and what can be derived from two black people is just any and everything. Right. So. You know right. what I mean? Right. I'm sure I've got some German or Irish in me or whatever, but, like, I never grew up celebrating that either. Like, oh, German pride, Irish pride. I, <laughs> yeah. No, I never grew up. If I grew up with it, then I could understand, you know, celebrating. But nobody was like, this is this and this is that. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, I grew up pretty much anywhere from... Seattle. I've lived all over Seattle, pretty much almost any neighborhood. I've worked in... Oh, if I haven't lived there, I probably worked in that neighborhood, been there, kicked it there, went to a party there. Um, <laughs> and then pretty much anywhere from Seattle to, or pretty much anywhere from, like, Everett to, like, Tacoma, <laughs> pretty much. Wow. You know, not growing up so much Everett and Linwood, but more, like, Federal Way and Des Moines and all that. And then, you know, only as I've gotten older, branched out more north. The housing affordability is actually decent out here, so it's not too bad. Yeah, I have a sister who lives in Linwood. Um, I actually really like her apartment. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they treat you way better out here too. I'm telling you, it's just like, I mean, there's racism. I noticed that. Go ahead. I in the weirdest way that they treat y'all better out there. I noticed it in the grocery stores. Is mm. that weird? Yeah, that's where I notice it mostly too. Yep. It's just like better produce, more options. I always notice uh, who has more vegetarian and vegan options. Right. Um, I'm vegetarian free free. So in some neighborhoods in Seattle, I, I'm nothing, 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 nothing. Um, but when I went to Linwood, cool child. Mm. Everything, everywhere. The grocery outlet has <laughs> like vegetarian options. So like. Right. Y'all right up there with the produce and the um, grocery stores. Well, not That's even not even just that. So say like you know you're at the grocery alley and you ask somebody for help, like a white person, be like, hey, where's the cereal? Where's this? Oh, it, oh yeah, oh it's right over here. Yeah, let me take you to it. It's just so like different. Whereas like I'd be in the middle of Cap Hill, I'd be like, hey, where's the cereal? Be like over there. Like fuck out of here. You work in the fucking service <laughs> industry, dude. Like. <laughs> I literally never talk to anybody in stores. Like I, I'm one of those people who prefers that they just say hello and goodbye. Even if I need something, usually I'll I'd rather look for it myself than talk to somebody to ask for it. What? I'm like one of those, I okay. You know the Seattle Freeze. I mean, of course you do. Yeah, of course I do. But I was like one of those people who's not from Seattle but appreciates it. I'm like everybody's minding the business. Like nobody. Huh. Huh. 
But there's a way. There's a way about it, though. There's just. There's just because, like, have you been to the South? Have you been to like Dallas, Louisiana, or like I, I've been ATL? To Florida. Oh, that's different. That's different. That. And I was there for like two days, so I don't think I really experienced the South. I would say. In Florida, I don't. It's more of the negative South. I haven't been there, but I know people from there. It's more of the negative South than the positive, whereas, like, all the other places, like Georgia, like at least Atlanta, the city of Atlanta. I'm not going to say Georgia, but Atlanta and, like, uh, Mob- Mobile and Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Jackson's a little different, too. I mean, Mississippi's a little different, but then you start getting to Louisiana, Texas. It's a little better there. It's like, it gets this rap for being so racist and so this, but, like, those things happen just as much here, and they're just as few and far in between, like, the crazies down there. There's just more people, and it's more sprawling. That's the difference. So it's like, it's gonna happen a little bit more just be due to population, but, like, when I was in the South, like, as far as racism goes, like, like, I never got an inkling of it, at least, once again, being light-skinned, whatever, but, like, people just treat you so much better, it's the same thing, like, I'm minding my business, but then it gets like, hey, how you doing, hey, oh, yeah, I'm just, uh, over here about to go to church, and, like, people are just so, like, friendly, and same with New York, New York gets this bad rap for, like, don't talk to me, don't look at me, I, no, don't fuck with me, I was there, I got nothing but love from everybody, like, of course there was those people that were, like, in their, mind your fucking business, but, like, I didn't gravitate towards them, I gravitated towards all the cool motherfuckers, and they were, we was talking, chopping it up, like, it was, like, we knew each other, I never get that in Seattle, never, never, like even if I know so, even if I know somebody even if I'm like yo bro I I've, I've known you for hella long it's like hey what's good bro I haven't seen you in a minute that was good like shit when I go back to New York I'm gonna see some of my niggas I'm gonna be like what's good bro like I only met you twice but like you my nigga though like it's just so like different man it's so different I'm like where's the love out here man. I mean, I I definitely agree, but as someone who's not from Seattle, like, that's y'all. <laughs> like, we all talk so true. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, all we ourselves the transplants, like, black transplants, we're like, we know what y'all are talking about, but that's just not us. Like, we're the type of people, like, I literally just picked up a donation today. And I don't know if the, um, it was from a black girl still living in the CD, so props to her. I don't even know how she's doing that. Props. Um, but a donation for Hope Shop. And um, we talked it up for a minute. I ended up staying. She gave me some watermelon. Like, Feel me? And when you, that's the thing, when you get these experiences, it's just like, I'm so used to being here, so I'll, I'm fucking cut and dry. I don't got time for the bullshit, like, and like, or like, I'll, and I'm so me that like, I'll crack a joke. If you don't laugh, I'm just like, whatever. Okay. Next person. Like that's just, that's, that's like living here. It's kind of got that, that New York vibe too. Like I call Seattle baby New York. Cause it's got that same type <laughs> of like, okay, like don't fuck with me. Don't talk to me, but it doesn't have the same love as New York though. No, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even put it an app, a, a grapefruit or a, a grape to it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and when, so when you well, get... we're comparable with homelessness, so that's one way we do kind of measure up to New York. You said the same level? We're comparable with our rates of homelessness. Oh, really? Hmm. I mean, just being a major metropolis and, like, the government here just... I, it tends to, like, throw money at situations but don't necessarily have, like, a really good plan. And that's why it's cool that you're kind of on the bottom side, like, working the grassroots from the from the going upwards because it's... Oh, yeah, because I already realized that they weren't worth my time a long time ago. Exactly. I mean, honestly, it took some time to canvas, you know, to just, you know, see what the state of homelessness is, you know, see what the city's plan is, see what they're doing, see where they're trying to allocate funds. It was just all garbage. Yeah. Led by people 
have no real idea what they're doing and no sense of urgency because it's not their community on the chopping block. So that's when we are like, okay, let's switch focus and just focus on our community, just focus on getting, um, you know, more investment from our community because the same system that put us here is never going to really help us get out. And I, for one, am not going to waste my time thinking that they are. Mm. Mm. Okay, side note, I detect that, like, you sound like your like your people are from the islands. Is this true? <laughs> I actually find that I have many accents. We're not even from the islands. We're, um, we are, um, Cameroonian and Nigerian, which we found through Ancestry. Oh. Or immediately from, like, L.A. I think we have family, like, Oklahoma, and I want to say... I don't know. I actually don't know too much about um, my family um, history, which is something that I've been exploring more. And what I have found out, I'm really proud of and I really love. So um, I'm actually going to try to be learning a little bit more about where I come from more directly. I was just so excited to finally have a country that I could, you know, claim as mine um, on the continent that... I was like, okay, wait, now let me connect from the other end. Mm. Mm. I mean, but you definitely have this, like, kind of island accent, islander accent a little bit. At least from the phone. Huh? I said, I ain't mad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, um, but... You know, the, uh, something that's kind of controversial, and I always have to explain to people because they, when they hear this word, they tend to be like, "Oh, you're this," but I'm a black Republican, like, um, and so, like, I'm not for Trump. Obviously, I don't fucking fuck with that shit. Um, I think the whole Republican party and cabinet is trash. Um, I think we need to like revamp it completely, like. I'm, like, a social Republican, so, like, I believe in, like, social issues, too, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, like, you know, I'm not, like, a Christian conservative, which is kind of counterintuitive to, like, what a real conservative would be. And, like, the whole cabinet of Donald Trump and all that, it's, like, not even real conservatism. It's just pro-corporation and shit. It's bullshit. So, like, I think that Seattle... Like, as far as our politics go here, we tend to have what I call pretend liberalism. And it, like, ergs me because it's like I'm a real liberal at heart, like, more so even as a Republican than, like, well, I'm actually, like, probably more libertarian, I'd say, actually. More more libertarian, but, like, re- libertarian doesn't even have really a party, you know what I mean? So it's like... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, and when I say this, it's like, I don't, I don't be like, oh, you're liberal. Like, no, we need, like, we need all types of balances. We don't need an all liberal cabinet. We don't need an all conservative cabinet. We need that balance between it, but we definitely need the separation of church and state, like off top. (laughs) Um, (laughs) like, fuck what you think. I mean, needed that for a real long time. Exactly, and it's like a lot of. They said that we were separating it. You said what? We've needed it since about when it was said that they separated. Yeah, and they never actually. And it's like the this whole Alabama like abortion thing is just so trash because like, like I feel like liberals will like throw money at the situation, and then the like they don't really have much of a backbone. A lot of times where it's like actually pro-choice is a very conservative opinion like because it's like why should the government regulate my body like why yeah <laughs> you know what i mean I like because pro-choice doesn't mind your business exactly policy, and i love policies um that being said i i feel like you know <laughs> democrat or republican two wings on the same bird you know, yeah. I'm more of an abolitionist, if you will, mm. um, like the great Harriet Tubman, if you will. <laughs> mm. Mm. Go ahead. Um, I really, I think the system is inherently oppressive and violent towards my community. So. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, absolutely, no absolutely. We're putting them in position. And the, like with that, like so, the reason why I chose my stance and all that is because, like at heart, I'm probably more in line with what you're saying. But like to play that game, I'm. I'm. This is kind of where I like. If 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 they want to talk about policy and this and shit, like this is where I come into play. And like, like you're over here, like. Doing heart to heart, like person to person, like grass grassroots, which is dope. I'm more like, like if you want to play policy with me, like you know what I mean. And it's just kind of like it's interesting because I like I've kind of wanted to run for like a city council or something. So I like I've lived here and I kind of know what it feels like, and I could speak the language. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I mean, being a city council member isn't hard. Like, I'm. Uh, countless people in our community could be city council members, but referring back to the fact that the system is oppressive, how many of them are actually going to be able to get that seed money, uh, enough vote for signatures to even be able to run, and then who's actually going to be able to run and actually get the position, and then once in the position, who's actually going to be able to do the work for the community? Right, right. So... And I, I sound like a Debbie Downer, but... And we do need to put, you know, I believe in, you know, addressing at every level. So there are, I do believe that there's, you know, a purpose in that. It's not like wasted energy. Um, I just, I mean, it's inherently oppressive and violent towards our community. It always comes back to that. Yeah. Well, like, um, like one thing that I always talk about is police reform because, so obviously we know police kill black and brown people at higher rates. We know this. And they, we get charged more for the same crimes, and we get harassed for the same crimes, and we get we get fucked up for less, <laughs> you know. Um, but the the fact of police reform is actually a colorless issue. Like by population, white people actually get more fucked up by police, and so it's like police reform would be good for every single person, not just black people, <laughs> like not just. Uh, yeah, that's true, but the reason why I feel like, I mean, like, yeah, statistically, it, it does make sense that white people would be getting fucked up more by police than anyone else, but that's not a disproportionality. The reason why it affects our community more is because we are disproportionately fucked up by the police right. more than anyone. So even though numerically it's more, right? like, percentage-wise, it's way more on our end. And right. I feel like literally just the fact that police are inherently violent to our toward our community that they were established as a means of control and policing our community specifically abolish police let's find a new system yeah community policing is what i would uh, what i like is like where it's like policing i think language is really important i think we need to find a different way um maybe like protection like i just like the word that we like we don't need to police our community that's not what we need at all you know what i mean I, I okay so i hear what you're saying but i'm I, I what i mean is more specifically like community not necessarily like somebody who's hired by the government to stand in our communities i mean like like everybody knows everybody even to the point where like like the trial system is pretty good but like if it was if it was more of the people from your community that see you do good all the time on the jury and people that like you know the elders of the community would be the judges like like really more grassroots like what you're saying like that's what i think and like, like the uncles and the dads are the ones that are actually like doing it for and it would be like community to community and stuff like that and it's like the only time you need like any sort of like government it's like during there's like very few instances where you actually need government guardians is what I call them. <laughs> yeah, I mean I get that, and I get like I understand the like Republican, uh, you know, approach to like limited government and all that. And I I think I remember reading somewhere that the Republican Party used to be majority black or something like that. And the, the, um, they freed the slaves too. They were the ones that were like, let's come up with some policy to get these people actually into the the system where they, we, I mean, yeah, the system, which is shit, 
but at least they can be con- competing in this system. Like, which we know, once again, is all shit. Like, you know, getting paid less. Yeah, and I know. I'm like, that doesn't sound like anything to me, though. Like, at least we can compete in a system that is inherently rigged for us to fail. Is the silent ending to that sentence. Right. And that is the part that I cannot fuck with. Right. But, I mean, I mean, at the time, at that time, specifically, the Emancipation Proclamation was such a progressive bill. And, and, and at least, at least that was a start. But I, don't get me wrong. Le- Lincoln is not my favorite president. <laughs> you know what I mean? Saying, like, that bill is dope. I mean, as far as, like, at that time. I just, I, I just, like, see America as a whole, too. And I'm, like, I try to, like, understand it. I wish I could be more, I don't know. Be, I mean, because when you say you're abolitionist, it means more because you're actually working with, you know, at risk or whatever, you mm-hmm, know, or, or instead of being just an abolitionist, just to be a nihilist would be kind of like more of a quote unquote Debbie Downer. I don't see you as a nihilist. Well, I mean, I, I feel like a Debbie Downer because I'm like always saying like, no, it's not good enough. But the reason why I'm always saying it's not good enough is because things we stand on a lot of shoulders. And I will never not acknowledge that. But the thing that I feel like has been missing is, like, this willingness to say, like, no, we need to go deeper. It needs to be wider. We need to go shoot higher or whatever it is because we, frankly, we just deserve so much better. And I I just understand, like, there's no logical reason other than, you know, systemic oppression that leads us to these places. So a good... And we didn't... So. Right, right, and when they made and when they made the constitution, there was no openly gay people. There was no women or people of color. It was all white men. So. Like we literally were ri- written into the constitution as less than human. So right. I mean, like, there's some things I feel like on the daily we just don't acknowledge, like how deeply that affects us today and all of our ancestors before us. Hmm. You're now listening to The Kitchen Couch. The smooth tones from Nathan Nice, a.k.a. the light-skinned Bourdain. Let's fucking go. That's true. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, So, a good question is, why do you think that... Why? Why us? Why this? Like, what was, like, is it just randomly? Is it, I mean, I know it has something to do with, like, colorism initially was probably one of the first forms of prejudice. Just like, oh, you're out in the field and I'm out, I'm in the house on any level of the planet, you know? Well, it was more than I'm, than you're out on the field and I'm out in the house. It was the person who was enslaving us raped you impregnated you birthed you birthed me and then now because i am related to this person they want to give me some benefit but they still want to ultimately enslave me so i get to work in the house and you work on the field right because i have privilege in being their relative even while they still don't give me as a human and are willing to exploit me and oppress me and whatever else so essentially rape me for more children so why white people why why this this america and what what type of you you would have to ask them that right like do you have any theories or anything or you just kind of like i have no fucking clue do i have theories on why white people created a system of oppression against us yeah um, well, based off of history, it sounds like they needed a justification for the slave trade. So they made it about it being a different color and then, like, skin color being the reason why, and then they kind of just ran with that. Um, mm. So it snowballed, I suppose, into an entire system of oppression, which uh, gives their people um, advantages at the, um, at the sake of everyone else, I suppose. Mm. And, I mean, now that it's so far, I'm, I'm sure they want to protect it. I mean... I wouldn't want to believe or I would have a hard time accepting, I suppose, that everything that my family has is because we 
likely stole it from someone else or took credit for someone else's work or, you know, whatever it, whatever it was, exploited someone for their service and then got money off of their back. Like, none of those are honorable things. Right. None of those are you think on with pride unless you're, like, demented somehow. So, right. I don't know. Hmm. I think that's something you should ask the next white person that's on your podcast, though. Scorching hot tea. Oh, this tea is too hot. It's a bit weak. It's a bit weak, is it? Mm. You're mocking my tea making skills. Mm. It's nice. It's a lovely cup of tea. It's just a brew in it. Mm. Actually, it tastes a lot stronger to me than the oh, tea really? I would usually have. That moment, ladies and gentlemen, was brought to you by Lipton Scorching Hot Tea. If you can't handle it, maybe you should blow on it. Thank you. Damn. <laughs> I might have to. You And I really be trying to, like, you know what's funny, though? Like, with this podcast and shit, like, I be really be trying to get my niggas on this shit. And, like, so many people don't fuck with me. I don't even know what the deal is. And it's just, like, like I've been trying my hardest to make sure my podcast had all types of different people. Not just the same old, oh, this dude, oh, you know what I mean? I made sure it was just, like, some at least interesting people. And, like, if it was a white person, it would be, like, they better be interesting as hell. Actually, I had, you know what I mean? They better be popping, like... I actually had somebody on recently. I'm not gonna say their name, but um, kind of like I don't even know how to. I don't even know. Like it's just like the epitome of just like ignorance a little bit. Like, huh? What? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I wasn't asking these type of questions either. But I was asking like, oh, what's it like being in the industry and working with people of color and stuff? And it's just like, oh, I, I never even noticed. It's like, really? <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. And then that'll be the person who's, like, hiring or something, but he just doesn't even notice. Meanwhile, he's, like, hiring all white people, but doesn't notice it because he doesn't see color. Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, and, my, and, and my theory, though, too, I think the reason why it happened like that is because if you look at the history of Anglo-Saxon, like British imperialism, I mean, they were imp- they they first started with their own people, right? And yeah, I know that, y- but they kept not. You said what? I remember they started with their own people, but yeah. they they couldn't stand the work. They kept dying. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I, I'm not I'm not and I'm not sticking up for them by any means. But this is just kind of what I've put together. And not um, also weather is a big factor because Britain is a lot like gray, um, not very sunny, rains a lot, just very gray. And so people uh, typically from like hotter climates tend to be happier. Um, And for whatever reason, you know, they invented like manners and stuff and like wear clothing and all this like like Western mannerisms and stuff. That really are like really offensive to our people, I think. Um, but you know, we when they came to Africa, when they came to the Caribbeans, when they came to even America and saw the Native Americans basically wearing less, kicking it way more. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like these people are ignorant because they don't know what's going on over here. We're over here like trying to like advance the world, and it's like obviously the term "advance the world." The phrase in itself is very uh, racist and evil, you know, because essentially the world was fucking fine the way it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody's and the advanced. Like these folks were in the dark ages while other people were already like dealing with much uh, further along technology. Exactly. I mean, it's all subjective. The history that is often taught to us isn't even like it doesn't even include what everyone else in the world was doing at that time you know what i mean right. it's so eurocentric yeah absolutely absolutely and i think but with that being said i think that i've i've heard uh, have you seen um i'm not your negro it sounds familiar 
sounds so familiar. It's James Baldwin's but, movie. Uh, oh no, that's why it's familiar. But no, I haven't seen them. It's pretty good, um, and it, it's not like one of those things where it's like, oh, we were slaves again. It was like you know, he, and he grew, he was grew up in like the civil rights and stuff, and like he was an yeah. artist, and I think he's homosexual. So yeah, he's gay. yeah, and so like his perspective, but he moved to like he, so he knew that the Martin and Malcolm X assassination was coming. So he mm-hmm. he he said, I know that I'm a big like beacon in my community. Let me just go ahead and skate over to London and like France. And he lived there for a long ass time. That's smart, man. And he said that they treat they treat. I mean, it's still racism there, but they treat the black man way better in Europe because they've dealt with it longer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like America's only had so many years of of um inter you know in, not interracial relations they we're the youngest community with it even africa or excuse me even asia has more more experience with different colored people than america does you know also really it's a young um newly colonized, I should say, the colonization. Uh, it's a young country, colonized country, if you will. Um, I also feel like who came from Europe over here has something to do with why things are so bad here. Um, it was like super, like, it was like, you know, poor folks, like folks from jail, like hoodlums and, and riffraffs, if you will, were who were shipped off of the United States. Right. Um, Christians. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Christians the United States, if you will. And um, I feel like that has a lot to do with why the attitude, you know, was so much rough, so, rough, so, uh, so much, like, rougher, I want to say, if that's even, like, grammatically correct. Um, here than it is over there. I mean, I've traveled to Europe. Um, I went to London and Greece um, last winter, I want to say. And so, how did you get treated? I mean, I got treated the same way I'm treated here. (laughs) Like, literally. The exact same. Really? Maybe it's also being the black woman type thing, too, because I know they'd be trying to... Yeah, I mean, I was no one bothered me there. Like, I just mind my own business. Most people mind their own business. Um, the same thing that I encourage here. One guy did say that I looked like Beyonce, but I'm pretty sure that was just the only American, like, famous person they knew over there in Greece. <laughs> You're like, uh, Beyonce? I was like, I but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'll cheat. You, you know, you were cheesing that day. You were like, cheat. They didn't say I look like Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, it was an African guy too. It was awesome. Oh yeah, and like you know the uh, the Greek freak, you know he's like straight black, but he's from or he's straight African, but he's from Greece. It's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty close. Um, the flight from when I went from London from London, it was three hours to Greece. It's also three hours to Egypt, so that's like where I want to go next time, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I feel like Egypt, Egypt... Don't pay like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Egypt is going through some shit right now. I mean, then again, you know, every place is. Everywhere is. <laughs> but, like, I mean, e- Egypt has been, like, because it's, like, a hot spot, too, so it's, like, all this, like, segregation and bombing and stuff. It's, like, I don't know if I could support that. But, like, I want to go to Ethiopia, Oh, and I, do, and oh, I, and I, already, I have a whole list. Uh, Egypt was just the closest point from where I was. So mm. I'm like, short travel time. Well, um, but I, I have only go over, you know, obviously to West um, Africa and explore. Mm. Yeah, and like I have people in Nigeria, and I think probably some, I could probably find some people in Ghana and some people in, um, um, oh, what's it called? begins with an S. It's on the western coast, too. Anyways. Sierra um, Le- not Sierra Leone, the other one. Um, oh. Senegal. Oh, 
Um, but yeah, definitely. I got some There's people. So many I go. Mm-hmm. And like, I haven't traveled outside of the U.S. at all yet, so um, I'm now be getting into some money and paying some bills. Um, all right, say that. You know. But now it's time for that. I actually am. I am now consistently um, making pretty good. Like not good, but I'm consistently making money. I should say from modeling and dancing. I'm really excited to like be at a point where I'm actually bringing in like consistent money, even if it's not a lot yet. Uh, so you're a model too. Mm-hmm. I model and dance on the side. Um, like I said, a nonprofit. <laughs> so wait, what 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 type of modeling and what type of dancing? Um, I do like for modeling. I do runway, art, fashion, lifestyle. Um, like editorial, mm. nude. <laughs> um, oh, you do nude I too. Do, yeah, I mean, for art, it's pretty much nude as implied in that um, nude or implied nudity. Um, oh. Literally, the form is like one of the most beautiful creations. So, and then for dance, um, I'm on Seattle Twerk Shop team, and then I also do like African modern. Um, Pretty much whatever kind of dancing I can get my hands on. I love dancing. Okay. No, because only I have to. I always have to ask people if they say they're a model or dancer, which which is a respected craft. But sometimes people say like, "Oh, I work at a strip club," and which is respect. I respect it. It's still it's still a form yeah, of art. But sometimes I'm like, "Are you are you are you painting? Are you like, are you in the strip club? Are you at?" Oh, so you're on the twerk and squad. I've never been to a club before, but I'm what? actually gonna try soon because I'm literally 25. <laughs> and you're and you're from Portland? Oh my god! Yeah, I know, right? But I'm actually going back down to Portland soon for a wedding, and I'm gonna go to the club while I'm there. So boom. Portland <laughs> is crazy. Look, I could not enjoy when I lived in Portland as a kid. I thought Portland was boring. I was like, other than like the Omni. Like, what do we really do here? I was literally in elementary school. I went back to Portland after being 21, and I was like, oh, my God, Portland's hella fucking fun. Yeah, it's, it's bet. <laughs> I like Portland better than Seattle. Just, like, like living in Seattle is good because it's just easy, da-da-da, very dreary. Portland's like, when I want to go have fun and turn up, I go to Portland. That's the nearest city I can oh, go I- to. Well, it's like, it's, so, like, Portland is the place, if you haven't been out, I'll tell you. Portland is, like, that place where it's, like, if you want to end up doing some weird shit at 3 a.m., that's where you go. Like, like you go to, like, you'll go to, like, a brunch, pretty much eat all day long, drink all day long because it's so fucking cheap, and then you can go shopping, and then somebody says, hey, there's a party over here, you go to the party... And then, you you know, you're all swagged out, and, like, your motel room or hotel room is mad cheap. Like, and, yeah. you, and then you go to this party, and then and then you go to an after party, and then you go to another after party, and you end up, like, in the weirdest place. You're like, oh, my God, what the fuck am I doing? Where am I at? And then you wake up, and, like, you could just literally catch the subway back or catch an Uber right back because Portland's not that big <laughs> so yeah. it'd be like a, a, a $15 maximum Uber ride if that and so you're back at your hotel room at like fucking 7am trashed and then you wake up and drink Bloody Marys or mimosas all day <laughs> like it's just stupid it's crazy okay I feel like it's only better because everything's cheaper because it's not like as touristy as Seattle but wait on it Portland will begin their prices up as high as Seattle as soon as they can Oh, don't say that. It, it, it's coming, but oh. and, and and I feel like uh, I've heard a lot of things about racism in Portland, like, but I never experienced that. And once again, you know, I'm a light skinned Bourdain off, off top, but like, like, 
people treat you way better there. Like, like they're just like, hey, how you doing? Or, or like, what's up? Blah, 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 blah. Like, and they're smiling. And, and some of it's fake. I could, I could weave out the fake ones. But, man, like, one time I was running, I had a hoodie on. I'm just chilling. I'm high as fuck. And this old white man, I was just like, hey, where's the bathroom, man? He was just, I know you don't do this type of shit. But I was like, hey, man, where's the bathroom? And he was just like, oh, you're new in town? And blah, blah, blah. Well, let me tuck in, all son. And I was like, oh, so what's, what's the good? Or I no, I didn't ask him where the bathroom was. I asked him where to eat. I was like, is there any good spots to eat around here? And he literally gave me 100 spots. Like, fucking, you can go down here. And, oh, you're traveling over here. And da, da, da. And, yeah. I was like, okay. Okay, then. <laughs> so. I don't know. These people that you're from Seattle, I feel like people in Portland are just trying to, like, prove something at this point. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's they true. They really something. May, that, that, that could very well be absolutely 1,000% true. But shit, even if it's fake, it's a better fake reality that's that's actually <laughs> seemingly nice than, like, the reality of Seattle where it's like literally mind your business. Somebody could be dying in front of you. You could fucking mind your business. Like, or it's like, it's like I fucking, this is, this is what Seattle looks like to me. I'm a white man with a fucking beard wearing a, a fucking North face or architects or Patagonia with a fucking, the five panel hat or a dad hat with fucking Ray-Bans on with AirPods in fucking listening to a fucking podcast or some shit, stepping over fucking, or listening to John Mayer or some bullshit, stepping over a homeless person and somebody trying to talk to him, they pull out their ear pod all like, huh? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm on a call right now. I, I can't, sorry. And they put their AirPod back in, they kept fucking trekking on like they're fucking Lewis and Clark. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You don't get that? That's a fucking Seattle. Seattle. I mean, clearly, it's in Seattle. Very clearly. Especially when it comes to, like, homelessness. But attitude is more hostile than anything. But, again, I feel like this leads back to who is in charge. How deeply are they really invested in solving the issue? Mm-hmm. Like, at this point, no one has, like, any faith in the city. Like, the people don't believe the city of Seattle is going to solve the issue, and then people who are working in the field with City of Seattle also don't believe that they're going to solve the issue. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm just a very evidence-based person, like a fact-based, like patterns of behavior, like long-term studies. I love them. Mm. There's been no evidence that what, you know, the methods that we're using in this city to address homelessness are working, and yet, for some reason, we're still doing the same thing. And so to me, I can only assume that you're doing the same thing because you're getting the results that you want, which with youth homelessness was recently, we saw a steep drop in youth homelessness by like 37% for white youth, while there's a 5% increase for black youth and a 1% increase for native youth. Like, there's no way that's not systemic. Hmm. It's undeniable. Hmm. Well, we know, we already know. Right, right. I did forget that. Damn homeless fucking homeless fuck or whatever. Like that yeah. I could definitely see that too. It'd be like, oh the 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 or the another one would be like the guy driving the three series beamer SUV and he'd be like, Oh, the homelessness here is just crazy. It's like shut your fucking bitch ass up and roll your damn windows up. Shut the fuck up. Homeless people make the cities. Like, like you don't, like, don't, don't you dare go to a big city. Like, any big city without homeless people is not cracking, period. Like, if you don't have any, like, granted, nobody wants homeless population, right? Like, it's not good. Like, it's not good to them. But, like, name a, a, a poppin' city with, without any homeless people. Like, I'll wait. Like, you know. <clears throat> I mean, I don't even know about that. My issue is, like, don't be in a city where homelessness is an epidemic and then be bitching about the problem but not offering any solutions, not putting up any money towards real solutions. Right. Um, you know, 
But then it's like, as someone who lives in the city, I would be frustrated, too, if I'm always seeing the city being like, oh, we put this much money towards homelessness this year. And then you're looking around and all you see is homelessness everywhere. So you're like, okay, but where, how was that money spent? Like, you know, what, what did you guys do with it? Because clearly you didn't actually address the issue that you spent all this money to address. Right. And it's frustrating both ends. And the taxing, the taxation is just ridiculous. And it's like, we're all like one fucking sickness away from, you know, there by the grace of God go I, is the saying I always live by. It's like whenever I see a homeless person or see somebody, I don't even assume that they're homeless, just somebody in a not good ass spot as me. I'm always like, there by the grace of God go me. Like, let me not, and I've been homeless. Like, let's, let, I, let me, let me be real. Like, I've been homeless, like... <clears throat> you know, about a year or so in my life, you know, and I'm I'm not trying to pitch the bootstraps mentality because I think that's inherently bullshit, you know, but somehow I fucking held on. I had some community with me, and I guess I'm just lucky to, to be in the position, not that say that I'm, like, balling out or nothing now, but I'm lucky enough to be in a decent position where, you know, look what I came from, too, and it's like, like, Definitely, you know, there's this meme or this thing that's like, as soon as as soon as I get money, I'm going to turn around and help, you know, put my hand back in the positions, you know, it's like, yeah. like, right, like, it, I've been in such a dark place for so long in my life, I'm now starting to smell the flowers and they smell fucking fantastic. I need a little bit more self care, like you must really take care of yourself to be able to take care of other people. Uh, no, don't say things like that. They're untrue. I'm working on it. <laughs> the more you work on it and the better oh you better yourself, the better you're going to be able to better somebody else. I, and I know that it all starts with me, which is why I'm like working on my work-life balance and all this other good stuff. Yeah. But what I did say about you being able to come out and make it to this better place is that, one, that's literally fucking amazing, and that's what we all want. And... You know, we were homeless, too, and we also, you know, were able to make it out by the grace of community. Like, that, for me, I feel like community is literally what stands between any one person and homelessness. Mm. Like, what, what can they get from their community? Who's available? Who has resources? And really, that's what drives me is to become a resource for my community. And that also starts with me. You know, we got to bring ourselves up so that we can be resources for everyone else. We have to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of other people. Mm. Mm. True words. So wait, before I go, I got to ask you about the twerking, though. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we had just, like, slipped that in under the radar. (laughs) Nah, nah, we got to go back to that. So how'd you get it? Yes, girl. (laughs) So how'd you how'd you get into it? Um, I got into it. Well, one, I've always, I've always twerked. That's why catch me in the club. That's what I'm doing. Right. Um, (laughs) But um, I I spent years, like I said, I've been dancing in Seattle probably for. I want to say three years, four years now. Um, Like, once I moved up here, I didn't dance for a couple of years, but I just got the dance itch back. So I started dancing with um, the Seattle Still Pan, uh, Women's Still Pan Project. They do, like, folk life and stuff like that, and sometimes they'll hire dancers to dance with them. So that's, like, island music. Like, I love dancing with them. Um, So I dance with them every year, and that's how I got back into dancing. Um, and then I moved to this other dance, uh, this production team I used to dance with. Um, they're a queer production team, and they put on amazing events. And I danced with them, and I walked runway with them um, a few times. And then through nonprofit work, I got connected to this amazing, smart, talented black woman um, who is the leader of Seattle Twerk Shop, Trisha Diamond. She does a twerk dance fitness class um and so that's how I got introduced to her and it was through nonprofit work and so she has this brilliant mind like I just love hearing her speak I love her analysis I actually um contacted her first to be on a panel for abundance health center for our denormalizing violence 
uh, panel discussion um, about, you know, the different levels of violence um, and how they're perpetuated throughout our communities. And Trisha came out and spoke um, on our panel. And so that's how I met her. And then some way I found out, like, through video, I think, seeing that she was on this twerk team. And I was like, oh, my God, Trisha, like, this is amazing, obviously. And, I mean, not everyone says that to her. Like, she's literally... Like, we just performed outside, and afterwards, she was talking about how people were trying to twerk shame her again, like, all this stuff. Like, every time um, we have a performance, there are people afterwards criticizing her. Um, but she just, she's too, honestly, she's too smart. Like, no one can try, <laughs> no one can try to make her, um, like, yield to any, like, bullshit respectability politics around it. Like, it's our culture. It's our cultural, one of our cultural dances. We have many, and uh, we have a right to twerk, really. Right. So, so wait, what is twerk shaming? Um, when it's the respectability politics, you know, like you'll. Lit- I literally saw um, this video. It was a. Uh, it was actually at Pride in another city, and it was like a group of um, lesbian women had, like, swarmed this cop car and were all twerking all over it. And it was literally one of the best things I'd ever seen in my life. Right. However, it was posted into a group that I was in, like, oh, you know, these dirty trifling sluts, like, this is what's wrong with the black community. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, first of all, it wasn't even all black women twerking on the police car, but this is what's wrong (laughs) with the black community. And then secondly, like, how is dancing and resisting in such an out and loud and beautiful way? How is that, you know, tearing down our community? So I, and then the exact same video got posted into our twerk group chat, and we all celebrated it the way that it should have been. So there's a lot of twerk shaming out there. Literally, I think there's a lot of black woman shaming out there, whatever it is that she may be doing. I actually saw this one thing that said black women, the size of our purses are bringing down the black community. What? Part of the agenda. Like, like there's so many, anything that black women are willing to do um, is, you know, ultimately going to be tearing down the black community to someone who needs to police everything the black women do. Oh my God. That's so fucking it's it's funny, but at the same time, it's so like really like, oh my no, god. No, I actually think twerk shaming is funny. Um, I haven't been twerk shamed, but I see I tend to run in like pretty accepting, like informed circles. So um, no one in my life cares. My mom is all about me being in twerk shops. <laughs> so you know. No, so what happened to me at Pride? It was kind of funny. Um. So at the end, because I was working at a booth there, and mm-hmm. um, at the end, it was a bunch of, well, mostly black people, but there were some other other people there, and they all started twerking, the cops were right there, this cop, like, pulled out his fucking Snapchat or something, it was fucking funny <laughs> as fuck, and um, there's this uh, black dude that came over, he was wearing these tall-ass fucking heels, like, fucking hella tall. And um, he had this fucking whip, this, like, leather whip thing that's, like, sexual whatever. And um, he's, like, over there, like, this girl's twerking, and he's, like, spanking her. It's like, oh, my God, this is such good people watching right now. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I was walking up to, to get something, like, up, and he was, like, I, like, looked at him. And then I, like, looked away, and he's like, what, do you want some of this? And I was like, no. <laughs> and, then, and then I was walking away, right? And he, like, fucking spanked me. It felt fucking awkward, but it was hilarious at the same time. I was like, because I hate, I don't like spanking. That's, like, not my thing. <laughs> I don't like being whipped or beaten or tied up. I don't like any of that. <laughs> but. But I thought it was funny that, um, you know, he fucking spanked me anyway. I thought it was kind of funny. And it's like, yeah, he probably could have. So I feel like he shouldn't have spanked you because you said you didn't want him to. That's true. That's true. I was just like, no. But, like, he was just like, I don't give a fuck. I was just like, he didn't spank me hella hard, which was good. 
But I was just like, yeah. Yeah, that was a big one, but, uh, yeah, well, thank you for fucking, you know, tuning in to my, you know, podcast, bumping me, getting you on. We definitely got to do a live and in-person one. I got to, um, uh, twerk shame you. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh, who knows what twerk shaming will come from this podcast. Or what they're celebrating. (laughs) You know what? You're tearing down the community, okay? Ugh. God, can't we all just have like cubicle jobs? I'm like fucking a. Because you know, if we were just, you know, if, if black people just didn't work, then there would be no system of oppression against us. Right. It's literally working that perpetuates well, white supremacy. I guess. Well, if you didn't have that type of hair, then maybe you would get. Oh my God, let's fuck out of here. <laughs> 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 oh my god, you're so tattooed, like, uh. I'm like, I do have tattoos, how did you know? Right, it's like, fucking A, dude, like, what can we, we can't, fuck out of here. But, uh, yeah, that's why respectability politics are bullshit. Do what you want to do. Hell yeah. Well, thank you for, uh, for bump tuning in and, uh, giving me some of your time. I'm definitely gonna, um, definitely hit you up now that I know you're, uh, local, so. Yeah, for sure. It'll be good to talk to you and see you in the future. All right. Thank you. Hey. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. Dang. Once again, I am Nathan Nice. This is, was, and forever will be the Kitchen Couch Podcast. I am the Light Skin Bourdain. A.K.A. Old Punk Rock Daddy. A.K.A. Diabolical Diabetic. Feel free to follow me at The Kitchen Couch. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. At Nathan Nice. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. At Nathan Nice Venmo. If you want to help the show, feel free to Venmo me $1. All donations are welcome. Also hit that line up, 509-557-0521. That's the Kitchen Couch hotline. Also, thekitchencouch at gmail.com. Special guest for today, Selena. Um, executive producer Nathan Nice producer Nathan Nice audio engineering by Nathan Nice Um, pretty much all the shit done Nathan Nice with the Kitchen Couch Incorporated thank you